Judy Gold is a veteran stand-up comedian who's won two Emmys for writing and producing The Rosie O'Donnell Show. She's also a comedian who is not afraid to go there. And now she is the author of Yes, I Can Say That, which is a searing and hilarious defence of free speech for comedians, particularly stand-up comedians. Judy Gold, welcome to Sunday Extra. Thank you. Thank you for having me on Sunday Extra. Judy, could you describe for us the changes in stand-up comedy in America that have led you to write Yes, I Can Say That? Yeah, and it's pretty recent. Um, but there, yes, there have been a lot of changes in American stand-up comedy. People are getting canceled for telling jokes, for trying to make people laugh. I say on stage now, no comedian was thinking about your childhood trauma when they wrote their jokes. So apparently every audience member thinks everything is about them. And because we have wonderful social media, they can go spew whatever they want or take a joke any way they want it, not the way the comic intended, and wreak havoc on that comedian's career and livelihood. And it's getting out of hand. And without intent, without context, without nuance, there is no stand-up comedy. There's no humor. If you murder someone, you go on trial for homicide, your sentence is determined by your intent. And yet the same consideration is not given to a comedian. I did wonder whether this might potentially be a generational thing, but is it something that you're noticing with audiences of all ages? You know, that's such a good question and no one has asked me that. I do think that people my age, you know, in their 30s, hey now, come on, first joke, right out of the, no, I think people with more life experience, people over 45, let's say, maybe over 40, I don't know, tend to understand and, and understand the nuance and have experienced certain things that they understand that joking about it doesn't lessen it. It doesn't, uh, if you're joking about something subversive or something, you know, sensitive, whatever, it doesn't take away pain and horror and the truth about whatever that is. It acknowledges it and it's a coping mechanism. And as my mother always said, if I wasn't laughing, I'd be crying. We're on the way to crying because it's really painful out there. I noticed that, and, and I talked about this with Gilbert Gottfried before he died, and we, we would talk about how audiences will instinctively think something's fine. You'll say something, a comedian will say something, and they'll laugh, and then within a split second, they're like, oh, right, not supposed to laugh at that. They'll be offended by proxy. I mean, it's gotten to the point where we have this big brother watching over us, and comedy clubs there are homes we don't know what's funny until we get on stage we don't know where the line is most of the time until we've crossed it and the audience is like no too far when you go see comedians perform not in big arenas you know when they're working out their material and doing their work you know at a comedy club during the week you're seeing a work in progress we are learning and getting information from you and you're getting information from us but then you attack us you know it's like an artist doesn't build a quarter of a mural and then invite an audience over and is like all right what do you think of the tree should i move it over there is the sun too bright no but we need you and you're attacking us 
I thought that was a really interesting part of the book that in a way what you're talking about is the right to stuff up occasionally and for people to roll with it and to understand that that's a part of the comic process. And I suppose in a way that just makes a difficult question even more difficult. The question being, when should, if ever, a comedian apologise? You say that comedians need to stop apologising unnecessarily. You praise some people like Ricky Gervais, Sasha Baron Cohen, Chris Rock for never apologising at all. But also and Joan Rivers never com- apologized. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But also, you note some other comedians who have apologized, and you seem to be on board with those decisions. So that's a different line to try and work out. But what are your thoughts on that one, Judy Gold? I think that for me, I draw the line at when the audience is laughing for the wrong reason, and and I think a comic always knows. Uh, no, you're not laughing for the right reason. That's not what I'm saying, and I think that the comic has. Uh, responsibility to say, uh-uh, what I'm saying here is blank. I do forgive people. I mean, look, people evolve. Stuff that I did in the 80s, stuff that that material wouldn't work today. The world's a different place. We know more. Different things have happened to us. And so like Kevin Hart, for example, had this horrible bit in his act, not funny at all, about if his kid was gay and how he would throw i i i don't want to say it wrong but it was it, it was an abusive i didn't think it was funny at all i believe you can joke about anything just make the joke funny but you you know he did that joke and then he, he apologized he said you know what he evolved as a person he grew he his world grew and he said no nah, that wasn't right i wouldn't do that again then we have to move on like it's like me I'm a lesbian, okay? I'm a rem- member of the LGBTQRSTLMNOPXYZ, umlaut, pi sign, cosine, treble clef community. And we strive for people to change their minds, to say, you know what? I was wrong. My niece is gay. My uncle is trans. And people evolve. Why are we going to punish people? for things they said when they were a different person. I don't agree with that. If you evolve, you evolve, and that's our goal. So I think lazy comedy is the problem. Lazy, not well-written, I wanna use this epithet. Like if that's your goal, just to use a word that's like, ooh, and not use it wisely, that's not comedy to me. Yeah. That's really interesting as well, Judy Gold, because that's something I wondered. You sort of seem to say that uh, maybe the line between what's acceptable and what's not acceptable in comedy is the line between good comedy and bad comedy. That would be nice if that's true, but do you think that is always the case? I mean, aren't there times where you can be in a room of, yeah, like you see someone doing jokes, killing with an audience, working with the audience, but still you don't like their stuff? Right. I mean, it's called a sense of humor. It's like a sense of taste or a sense of smell. Certain things are pleasing to you that are not pleasing to other people. Some people like sarcasm. Some people hate sarcasm. Some people like slapstick. Some people hate slapstick, you know. But does that mean if you don't like something someone says, then they should never be able to say it or to do their work again? Like if you go to, I use an example in the book about a friend who went to a concert. They were so excited and they get there and it's all new songs that they'd never heard and they were like what 
this sucks. You know, I wanted to hear all the greatest hits. And they were working out their new album. And she was really disappointed. Did she say they should never be able to? How dare they? No. Why is it for a comedian, one bad, one thing that really pisses you off or that you take in a certain way ends their career? It's ridiculous. When speaking with Judy Gold, author of Yes, I Can Say That on Sunday Extra. And Judy, you take on a very big task in your book. You say at the start of your book that your aim is to convince readers of the role that comedy plays in fostering healing and cohesion during difficult times like the present. That is an ambitious undertaking. What do you think are the best examples of comedy that is fostering healing and cohesion in America at the moment? You know, I love that question. I think that when you see a comedian who is completely different than you, a person who has a background, a disability, a sexuality, a gender that you have not encountered personally, and you watch them on stage, talk about what it's like to be them and navigate life as them, you learn about them, you open your mind, and you're laughing together. When someone makes you laugh, you automatically like them. That's just a fact. Laughter is, first of all, it's an aphrodisiac, but it's also healing. It's healing. I just, I have a podcast called Kill Me Now because everything aggravates me. But this week, in fact, I have a 28-year-old comedian who has cystic fibrosis, is terminally ill, and gets out there and talks about what it's like to be terminally ill and makes jokes there are people i talk about people in the in the book with disabilities who get on stage you know they talk about their disability and what it's like to be them and then the next time an audience member encounters someone with that disability they're going to be like oh i saw that comic and yeah oh i know all about you and what your life is like i mean it is a unifier but then also great comedians speak truth to power you go back to the days prior to the Holocaust, when they were planning the Holocaust. It was the comedians and the cabaret people who were talking about what was going on. It's not a coincidence that Zelensky is a comedian. He is fighting this huge, horrible, disgusting, ugh, and yet he won't give up because he... He's a comic. We don't give up. Nothing nothing that comes at us is is we can't handle. And you th go back to the Holocaust, you think about there's records of prisoners putting on shows for each other, telling each other jokes. It's a natural healer, but it's also a uniter. You know, when I'm on stage, I say to the audience at the end, you know, you two could hate each other on paper, but you're sitting next to each other laughing and like, hey, you know, but if you met elsewhere, it'd be like, you voted for who? What? Oh, I hate you. You know, I don't want to live in a world without laughter. And I feel like in America, especially with, you know, our First Amendment rights, which are being, can I say raped? Okay. But they are, they're being assaulted. I think stand-up comedy is such um, an obvious outcome of that. What other countries, when their military is embedded overseas, sends comedians over to cheer them up? It's part of our culture, you know? Satire, comics. I mean, all in the family wouldn't get on, on uh, TV right now. We're so afraid to talk about things. 
Well, it's certainly a searing defence of comedians' free speech, and it leads to the question, Judy Gold, have you been cancelled because of this book? And if not, why not? I have not been cancelled. I've definitely been challenged. I've had people come after me. But, you know, I don't want to live in a world without laughter. Sorry. It's not about them. You know, like Brandeis University has a list of words and terms that they would prefer you not use on campus. That's what you're doing. The world is about, it's a thousand degrees here. There's fires. Everything is melting. And you're worried that someone's feelings are going to be hurt. Well, welcome to the real world. People's feelings get hurt. Move on. You're allowed to be offended. It's what you do with that. Well, Judy Gold, thank you very much for bringing your microaggressions and your macroaggressions to Sunday (laughs) Extra. It's been great speaking with you. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm not wearing makeup next time we have an interview. Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.